0: The hustle does not stop, no matter who you are. In the bell side, if you're not hustling to get your bread, to get something, or to get, like, if you're not doing, like, the conversation constantly around, like, my peers and I is like, what's up? Like, what do you, what do you want? Like, you know, like, it's like, how are you hustling to move it forward? You have to reevaluate evaluate yourself as a person and get dirty and get, feel uncomfortable and, um, essentially throw all the ideals that you've been taught out the window and listen to the students that you are teaching. That's all it is. And to build connections, you have to stop give, like, caring more about the curriculum that you're teaching and the grades that you have to put in the grade book and more about your students. There is no way around that. In order to push your students, effectively and create relationships with them you have to show them that you care about them therefore you're pushing them to be their best self
1: that was Isaura Ibarra and this is the voice of Montbello podcast
0: The Boys of Mombello podcast.
1: Welcome to the Voice of Montbello podcast. Today, I'm your host, Paul Clifton. For those of you who are listeners of the Voice of Montbello, may find it weird that an adult is hosting as students normally always host. However, due to COVID, uh, students do not have access to our Yebo Lab in the Confluence Center at McGlone Academy. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Mr. Clifton. And I'm a teacher at McGlone Academy in Montbello and the founder and director of the Confluence Center. Uh, My students started the podcast in our classroom six years ago, and I'm proud of the work that they've done. And I hope to continue to tell stories. This episode kicks off our I Love the Bellside series, where we interview Montbello youth who are transitioning or have recently transitioned into the post-secondary life. Headed to college, taking a gap year, working on art, starting a business, or any other dope venture Mombello youth want to take on. We hope to learn about their experiences growing up in Mombello, things they love, and things they would like to change about the community. Throughout COVID and the Black Lives Matter movement, Mombello youth have really stepped up in many ways to serve the community, and we hope to amplify their voices through these episodes. To kick things off, we will hear from Isaura Ibarra. Isaura's family moved to Montbello when she was 10 years old, and she attended John HMS Elementary, shout out to the Roadrunners, and recently graduated from Northfield High School. Being originally from Fort Morgan, Isaura learned many crucial lessons from folks in Montbello and established her identity through those experiences. She is an avid advocate for Montbello youth, and is especially passionate about reshaping education experiences for youth in the community. This episode will make you laugh, cry, and fill you with inspiration from one of Bellside's greatest as she tells her story. This is I Love the Bellside with Isaura Ibarra.
0: Yo, what's up? My name is Isaura Ibarra. I'm a young person from Mbello. (laughs) How you doing, Paul?
1: I'm doing great, you know, feeling super upbeat. Um, you know, summertime is it feels like it's winding down. I kind of have one more week of, of actual summer and then it's back to back to work, getting started with remote learning. So shout out to the McGlone students. We'll be logging on together soon. Um, but yeah, summers always seem seem short. This has been an insane summer. So yeah, just hoping to relax this last week for sure. But uh, how are you doing?
0: I felt that. No, no, no. I'm on the same boat you are. So I have a couple more weeks of work and school. So next week is my last week of summer classes. And then I have a week. I move in um, August 17th into my dorm to Colorado State University. And I have a whole week before I actually have to start classes, which I'm so grateful for because I need that week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, and, and you started classes during the summer as well. You know, you yes. took summer summer classes. How did that go?
0: it's unmotivating <laughs> very unmotivating um if I'm completely honest I hate online learning it's I don't think it's meant for me at all and plus having kids around all, like all the time I love my siblings but having kids all around all the time is very difficult when you're trying to focus in the class um but overall like the classes that I've taken have been really enriched like like enriching but like it's I just hate online learning <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, like the college experience is really fun, and it's like it's all about like connections. At least it was for me, like connecting with the professors and and building with classmates. You know, uh, jumping off on ideas because you're all in like this learning space and having to do it online. Like I feel like it, I totally understand if that's like a huge challenge.
0: Yeah you know me I love connecting and talking with other people and it's been super hard because like originally this um, program is supposed to be in person we're supposed to stay in dorms and create those relationships uh, before class even starts and I'm not getting that it's like it's over a screen and yes I've created plenty of connections but I really just love love being with people so um, I'm really excited to meet my people in person.
1: (laughs) Yeah that's what's up. Yeah so Isaura has been collaborating with uh, the Confluence Center at McGlone for about a year and a half. She came and did a presentation on behalf of the Montbello Power Advocates last year and kind of talked about some issues that uh, Montbello is facing and and some of the work that she's been doing to confront those issues and, and build power in Montbello. Isaura has recently joined the, the Yebo team uh, for Youth Empowerment Broadcasting Organization. So Isaura is the growing storyteller of Yebo. As part of that, we kind of want to, we want to use this episode to allow Isauder the opportunity to tell her story and, you know, talk about how she feels about Mom Bello, going to Fort Collins and all that. Like, um, it might be a huge culture shock, but, you know, so are you actually originally from Fort Morgan. What was it like growing up in Fort Morgan as a person of color?
0: So fair warning to anybody that wants to visit Fort Morgan, it's gonna smell like cow poop. Um, just something that you should get used to. Like now, if you ever want to visit Fort Morgan, um, but as a person of color, so I was, I was born and raised in Fort Morgan until the age of ten, and I remember in my classes or like in schools, there's a huge immigrant population in Fort Morgan. Let's get the one thing straight. Uh, there's a lot of East African um, immigrants and a lot of uh, Latin American um, immigrants uh with that said in the time that I lived there it was not as diverse as it is today I remember there being like one Somali kid in my class or in my whole like like grade I think um and him and his family like immigrated from Somalia and was like I remember it like that um but that was the only I guess experience with um black people that I've had and like honestly it's an African person because it's not like there's I feel like there's a difference between black and African because I had that called out to me once um and there is so definitely that um but it was uh it was difficult because I didn't realize it like until I grew up that I was like in that space and like not represent like I, I was around a lot of white people and while I wasn't I was always kind of sheltered in like, I only dealt with white people in school really, like in my classes and stuff. But honestly, I remember like my mom has stories about like my teachers being like, yeah, yeah, she's fine. She's fine. And I was failing second grade. And like, I, it, it was horrible. Like I had no idea what was going on. And my teacher was saying that I was like succeeding and being great at everything just to pass me along. And my mom was like, excuse me. Um, so those experiences were like, not the best. <laughs>
1: So, so you were you were othered in the community of Fort Morgan. No no shade to the community of Fort Morgan, but there's like it's different. It's very different, you know, growing up in a white community. Um so like do you you felt like people lowered their standards just to kind of push you along?
0: Definitely. And like I feel like it was a lot of like also um yeah, just otherness looking at us like we were something else. Um there was a, a like a lack of support for both parents and students of color like I definitely feel like my mom wasn't as supported as she should have been like as in um if she were a white mom you know all of my teachers were white I didn't have one teacher of color I didn't have a male teacher either which is I think is interesting because that ended up affecting or ends up affecting like the view essentially of men and women and those differences so I feel like all of those things together like shape like at one like to the point where I moved here and everything completely changed but really shaped me and like honestly if you're around people that are not of color and and you're not introduced to any other ideas you start taking on um, racist ideals because essentially that's what you're surrounded with and I I know like I'm not gonna cry wolf and be like my family is also like my mom used to be or she's still working on it, but like, her racism used to be like way off the charts. Um, and then my stepdad also, like, his racism to this day is not the like he's not at all like culturally responsive or anything like that. Um,
1: is it like is it like a racism or a, the internalized depression?
0: Yeah, it's like defi- it's, it, like it's both against, things.
1: Against multiple races, or is it mostly toward white people, black people?
0: It's a white and black. Well, it's. <laughs> interesting because it's a he he's very against black people like he does not like black people um which is kind of disappointing but it it's him not me Uh, he's his loss not mine (laughs) Um, but like it's it's like he doesn't like black people that he's had horrible experiences with them but it's different so like I feel like the biases that he has against black people are very much like they're lazy they're this they're that and then white people is like they're mean so you know like they're you could see even the differences between the biases that he has and like who has power and who doesn't Um, but even then it's like he definitely is like you're saying he's internalizing his oppression and putting it on somebody else like that's it and it's what the white men want and it's disappointing but it's something that i grew up with
1: yeah i I mean i'm kind of in the same boat i mean i grew up in i grew up in utah grew up in a super white community went to a white church and yeah like you know i i I grew up with bias and this like internalized depression and and, uh it's really hard to break out of that
0: i have adoptive family so i think i've told you the story but i've um I take in family. I didn't grow up with a, like a really strong central family, like essentially in um, Latin, like Latinx cultures, it's very like family Family centric is something that's like super like uh, important. I was raised by a single mother. Um, my dad left when I was about a month old. I've never had much of a relationship with him. Um, and it was just my mom and I, and it was essentially we didn't have much family around, so we were in Fort Morgan. Um, they essentially my family had started there, and then they moved. Like most of them moved to Denver. Uh, we, my mom doesn't have a good relationship with her mother either, so I don't have a relationship with that. I don't have a relationship with the grandmother on the other side. Obviously, it's a given. Um, but I started creating my own family in um, Fort Morgan.
1: So, so how did your how did your perspective change? You you mentioned that you know you had some some racism, you know, kind of. Uh, indoctrinated into your into your consciousness. Uh, How did you break out of that when you moved to Montbello?
0: Um, It's so essentially when I moved to Denver, I had to start at John O'Mess Elementary School, which I lived right across the street from. And I had no idea. I was a fifth grader. So I was about like, what, 10? And a half and like, given I was in a new place, uh, I just had it like, I, my mom was pregnant. So she was about, my stepdad and I, her have been together a very long time, but she got pregnant. So we moved over here um, and it was like, I didn't want to move out here at all. Like I was not for it. I had my whole family over there. Um, and when I got here, I was, I hated it. I did not want to go to Janamas essentially for the fact that I was going to wear um, uniforms. Like I hated the idea of uniforms. So I was really upset going in. Um, and I remember walking in and I was like, the first thing that happens is like, there's a whole bunch of black kids, a whole bunch. Never have I ever seen a classroom this diverse. I was, I was flabbergasted. I was like, dude, this is amazing. And then like, I was like, what the heck? Um, and I had a conversation with a black person for the first time. And I was like, this is completely different from like, what has been described to me or like what has been depicted to me for about black people. Um, Given there hasn't been, like, since the place that I, like, grew up in, there wasn't any, like, straight Black people, like, there was a lot of immigrants from, like, Africa, um, I still hadn't heard the, stere- like, stereotypes to the full extent. I had heard, like, the little snippets of, like, oh, like, uh you know, like, like what you see on the news, like, just those stereotypes, but when I got here, it's, like, when I started hearing, like, my stepdad go give into those, like, stereotypes more, my mom give into those stereotypes more, like, um, Oh, the first time I liked a boy, oh my God, he was a light skin. And I, I described it to my mom. I was like, Tiene piel de color caramelo. And I was like, Now I would never. Like, I was like, Really? But like back then, I had no idea how to describe him. Like, no idea. I was just like, He's he's mixed like I was I couldn't say he's mixed because it was in Spanish like but like I was just like I didn't know how to describe this kid I was like he's cute mom and I was like he is not white he's not black like <laughs> and my mom was like oh my god like she was like you like a black kid and I was like yes and I, it was funny um <laughs> this is like and like it it changed I guess like my perspectives and like my ideas because I feel like even though I was exposed to relationships with black people, my ideas didn't change. Like, I feel like I wasn't being changed. Like, I started building relationships then, and yes, I started building my own ideas about those specific people, but it, it doesn't matter if if the relationships I was building with those specific people were, like, significant to me because I was still following the, like, the, in, like um, stereotypes or biases that the world had set up for me. I hadn't reflected on my own, so when I entered middle school. So I remember, actually I remember hearing the N word for the first time in uh, fifth grade. And I remember thinking of it as slang, not an excuse again. This is not like an excuse for me at all for saying it but I do remember it like being like a slang among all of my peers, not just black peers but among all of my peers. Um, And for me, it became normal to say the N-word. And I actually remember the first time I said it. Um, And I remember that I did hesitate because I didn't know if I should be saying it. Not because I was like, not because I thought about the history, not because I thought about anything else. It was more because like, am I going to be accepted into this space if I say it, you know?
1: You're like, you're like auditioning. You're like auditioning the language, you know? Like seeing like gauging other folks reaction seeing how you feel inside when you say it um to see if it's like if you actually fit in the into the community you know and and just kind of trying it out that's like that's what you know that's how kids acquire language and, and really try try new things you know try try new words and see what the reaction
0: yeah that's exactly what it was exactly like you described it exactly for me and I'm not gonna lie like did it is it a nice was it a nice flowing way to end a sentence sometimes it was very convenient you know it was like that type of thing but it was not right and it was like not and honestly yeah like you're absolutely right like language is um and slang is something that connects people um but it's and being part of like because a common thing that we see is like oh I don't know what words you young people say now you know or I don't know what this or I don't know what that language is such a big part of our lives um and like we pick up slang from other people and like that's what it was I remember the exact moment that changed and that it was the most embarrassing shameful like I, it was a lot of emotions going on so I was at work one day so if you live in Montbello um you know the McDonald's on Peoria uh you have to <laughs> it's it's the staple McDonald's on Peoria McDonald's at Green Valley Ranch those are the only the only ones we got um and it essentially I was sweeping I was about to mop and um we had hired a black woman, so essentially, like before this, uh, we were mostly um, a Hispanic staff, whatever. She was um, on the drive-through lane, and I remember it was very common for us to use the N-word within the space, and I use it. I say it right in front of her, and I remember she looks straight at me, and she goes, "What does that N-word mean to you?" And at this point, I was, I think, a sophomore in high school, so it's not like, oh, she was like brand new or whatever i was a sophomore in high school and then i looked at her and i was just like oh shoot it sent me on a spiral if i'm honest and it sent me on like um a spiral of like what am i doing like why am i using this word yeah because you
1: because you because you questioned like you questioned when you were like auditioning like trying the word out the first time like because you had a feeling like this is risky this is like probably not something i should be saying um, and you went along with everyone around you saying it, and then it's like the first moment of you being called out for it. And it seems like it, it sounds like it, but you know, the your coworker was doing it in a in the most patient, like, kind way possible to help you reflect.
0: Oh, definitely. She really could have like thrown down there, like, adjust, like, just, like, justly. If I'm honest. I would have thrown down with myself at that point. Um, and it was just like, I was a very inappropriate person. I made very inappropriate jokes, like very racist jokes. Just, I laughed at very racist jokes that my white peers made when I should have never. Um, I very much was fit in and like made for the white man's world. Now the point that this began to change was when I started uh, doing this work and I I joined the student council my junior year. And my, my student council teacher, Mr. Lucero, amazing person uh he didn't make the classes like he made the class where we were um student councils essentially like most of the time it's like putting up posters planning homecoming i was like i had been part of student council for a minute now it had never been like student government really it was just like oh let's plan cute stuff um and he made it to where like we were doing fundraisers we raised a lot of money for um, an organization that houses families of um immigrants it was this amazing organization that helped immigrants tremendously and we raised a lot of like we raised a lot of money not um we also had to make a wish week raised a lot of money for that and like, um through them I kind of like got my organizing skills and stuff like that and I found out that I was like really passionate about or like I loved being in the scene and like organizing fundraisers and stuff but I always felt like I needed wanted to do more um and I was like I had this feeling that I I wanted to like go out and do something more because I saw like I've always been like a very um, vocal person about my opinions so essentially I started going to CYL meetings because I'm not gonna lie a big uh, factor that motivated me to go to uh, CYL meetings was because I needed to build my college resume Um, I needed to show that I was passionate about my community and I I can't it's kind of ugly but at the same time like it's a factor that did play a big part because I needed to show that I some way that I can't just say I'm passionate about my community and then not be passionate, like not show it. But at the same time, it was a mix of that and then a the mix of me like loving my community, you know?
1: What does uh, CYL stand for? The oh,
0: Colorado Young Leaders. <laughs> Sorry.
1: And, and um, so were you attending school on the Mombello campus during this time or were you already at Northfield?
0: So I went to, that's a good part. <laughs> Sorry, I went to John Mess first. Um, then I went to uh, DCIS Mombello.
1: Cool, at the mom, at the old Montbello high school campus.
0: Yeah, the old Montbello high school's campus. I loved it there, but I I've, I've never really fit in with my own like with other Latinx or Hispanic students cuz they always have seen me as white or like not Mexican enough and I was always kind of like okay, so I had a really hard time at um at the Montbello campus cuz I was bullied a lot. Um and I essentially knew I needed a change of a, a drastic change it was it got to the point where like for no reason people were writing my names on like the bathroom stalls um and i needed a change and i needed any type of change so when i got the pamphlet for um northfield i did it and i'm a person where i i start something i finish it you know um i started i i had conversations with my mom about like moving from dcis but i started there and i finished there you know um and a big factor for me was like the experience for moving to Northfield was the experience. Um, and then when I got to Northfield, then that's where I was exposed to white, a lot more white people. Cause like uh, here it's, it's very diverse and I love it here um, because my classes were super diverse. But yeah, when I, when I started going to Colorado Young Leaders, I was in my junior year, towards the end of my first semester of my junior year. Um, and then I was, yeah, yeah. And it was like during the December time. So time was uh, taking down
1: and uh, colorado young leaders is still an organization that's super active in Montbello. what do they do
0: yes so they do um essentially they're based in a a church they meet in a church in Montbello called the united church of Montbello. um and they they, they essentially have a community garden they plan um they planned event like i know i remember i planned a mural event with them uh currently they are planning like they've been planning food dispensaries for the community um, a few dis- food dispenses sorry and then they they're also doing a lot more things I haven't checked in with them in a minute but um, when I was there that's the things we were doing and working on but they have this thing called pitch day and we have for global for global youth service day we have events everywhere and I remember when I was pitching my idea I I said and I'm saying this verbatim hi my name is Isaura but I know that's hard to say so you can call me Isa and then I continue to know the presentation, right? Uh, for me, that was completely normal. I've gone my whole life saying this, and then I remember after the meeting, we were supposed to get feedback, and this woman comes up to me, and she goes, "Are you Latina?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm Latina." Um, you heard my name, you know. And it's like she was like, "Then stop conforming your name for white people."
1: Yo, so that's the second time, Isaura, like that you've been, <laughs> you've been, uh, I don't know. At at my school, sometimes we say like called in. So you don't, you're not like called out. Being called out is like somebody puts you down and makes you feel terrible. But you're called in, and somebody's like, you know, helping you reflect and and look on the inside as to why you're saying something or presenting yourself in a certain way. Man, that is powerful. So like was man, I'm I'm surprised because, um, you know, knowing you, uh, I guess I've known you for you know a little over a year and a half. Like your evolution is pretty recent, you know, being that it's it's j- just been like two years um
0: yeah, literally it's only been 2 years. years'cause'cause
1: <laughs> you're like a you're like a jugger now when it comes to advocacy work and and everything, um just just jumping into into everything, and so wow,
0: yes, yeah, like i was raised I was raised by two amazing, powerful immigrant women that were um are the most amazing, most powerful, most wholeheartedly and and blunt people I will ever meet, and i I respect them tremendously. But with that, like, there is homophobia, like all of that in our community, and it's it's bad. And it's like, my, even I think of my transition, I'm like, that's that's absolutely crazy. Like, in the amount of time that, but it's not enough. Also, I feel like I have a really long way to go. But at the same time, like, I'm I'm here and I'm working on it, you know.
1: So, so I mean, she she calls you, she you know calls you in and is like, hey, you know, stop conforming. Um, I, I feel like I see that all the time in our schools, you know, how important your name Ysaura is, is and being that your that um, your folks are immigrants, um, that maintaining maintaining that name and, and the way it is pronounced, the correct name, it, way to pronounce it, is it carries a lot of importance, you know, for a lot of families. And I see it all the time with, you know, educators that, you know, um, aren't trying to, aren't trying to do you know, honestly, a lot of times they're honestly like trying not to butcher it, right? They're trying not yeah. to offend.
0: They feel bad.
1: But then they end up, America, you know, putting an Americanized, you know, colonizer type of uh, title to students. And I've seen students own it, you know, and and end up kind of like the way you were doing. You were like apologizing for your name, being East South or being being Isaura, it's not like
0: no but like my last semester of of my senior year was difficult because everybody calls me isa absolutely everybody calls me isa and i was super strong going in in the year like you're gonna call me isa and that's that like i even wrote to my english teacher i was like you might hear other peers call me isa you will also hear me correct them this year and you are only allowed to call me isaura he was a new he was a new teacher in the building but he reflected me again he told my teacher, he was like, she was super strong going into the year. And he's like, but she lost it. And it's super hard. Cause like, I went by Issa so long that it was hard for me to be like, you know what, stop. Like, you know?
1: Yeah, you, but like you have the, you know, it's your name. And and it's really awesome how you took ownership of of like that part of your identity and all parts of your identity. Like to be able to stand up and say like, you know, I I made the mistake to say that this was all right, but it is not. And you know, moving forward, like it's, it's so amazing that you're actually starting a podcast called Unapologetically Saura and your name being such a huge, huge piece of that. Um, Like our names are really parts of our identity and can really honor people from the past. And, and I I liked what you were saying about, you know, your, your folks. And like, from my perspective, when I, when I hear immigrant stories, you know, the, the stories of children of immigrants and, because the you know there's a lot of struggle, there's a lot of, um, a lot of things that I can't imagine going through, um, and like they're heroes to me, right? But it but it just because people are lifted up as heroes doesn't mean that they're not complicated, right? We're all on this journey of greater understanding or inner standing, and like it's really cool to hear your story, how you put all that in, into perspective to where you are right now, where you're about to go to college. You spent time in Montbello, your whole like growing up in Fort Morgan, your whole um consciousness was in a different space. And now you're you're representing the bell side in in the truest, most realist way.
0: I was like, that's the only thing I want to like that's me that's me playing my part, I guess. And like I don't know, being a part of this community was um a blessing in disguise where I essentially thought I was coming into this new world where I didn't know like what I was gonna do. It's essentially changed my life. And it's the only Cause I went through it. Like being here, we had a really my mom and I we had a really hard time that first year here. And it was bad. That was very, very hard. But again, um thanks to those experiences, I made another little family and then I have an ex like it allows me to connect sometimes with other people. Um, So those experiences and like, cause if I would have never like moved here, I would have never, I would not be in the position that I am today. But also like with that, like with this blessing came a lot of struggle. So it's like, again, it goes along with what you're saying. Like there's people are multi-dimensional. They're like, their lives intersect with many, many, like we're just the center of our own little world and like there's so many things that go into us as leaders as people in our experiences and everything and it's like you have to take us holy and it's like we can't just i hate when somebody like um my age or younger than me is like oh my god i look up to you like no (laughs) don't look I, i don't look up to me look look i want them to see me as a peer and like learn from what i'm doing like Learn from my experiences. Don't look up to me. I don't want people to look up to me. I don't want you to say, Oh, you're so amazing. Like, no, I want you to because I have flaws. I have many, many flaws and I've gone through it. And it's like just learn from my experience of what I've done and what I'm going like what we've been through and then just pay it forward. I was like, that's all I can ask from a person.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's beautiful. Thank you for you know sharing that part of your story and And it definitely adds context to, you know, who you are and um, who you become and who you who who you are working to become as well. Um, So what do you, what do you love about Mombello?
0: I love, um, yeah, the people, the parks, because we have really nice parks. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but like our parks are pretty nice, like
1: shout out to silverman park yeah first spot.
0: you can walk Falcon park. you can walk around like my mom walks around in the mornings and it's like amazing um i really love the food lord i'm such a foodie like i don't eat red meat anymore but like the taco trucks out here are bomb um
1: what, what's your favorite taco truck though is it the one on peoria by i can't remember the name of it but it is uh across the street from the 7-eleven on peoria
0: no there used to be this one it's not existing anymore. But, like, there used to be this one, um, like, little, like, truck in, on Peoria that was by the tire shop. It's not the one that's there anymore.
1: Big, big old tire. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It was another one. And they used to make the bombist, the bombes quesadillas con carne asada. I remember, like, it was huge, too, for, like, four bucks. And it was, like, amazing, dude. You would dip it in salsa, and it doesn't exist anymore, sadly. But, like, that was mine. <laughs>
1: Yo, I I I don't know. I feel like we we have so many taco joints. We have Bocaza. We have Taco Star. Paco's
0: tacos, tacos.
1: <laughs> taco Bell. There's
0: Paco's tacos, tacos. Yeah. Like Paco's Tacos is not the most healthy, like sanitary place you might want to go to, but the the dirt kind of makes them slap, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shout out to the small businesses in Mombello, man. Um, you know, yeah. There's there's definitely a lot of amazing entrepreneurs in in Mombello that are that are making it work. You know without you know always having the most resources that other communities have
0: and we got two paleterias like that is like my paradise i'm in such an ice cream person like i'd be going down to chambers and i'm like i have options and they're all like ran by hispanic people so it's like i love it here
1: i prefer to get my uh paletas from the uh from the Eloteros, man i like to get the lime Michoacana. um uh
0: the Eloteros. Oh, that's another thing. On the Montbello campus, the woman that stands out there, her elotes, oh, oh my god, no, 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 my favorite part about Montbello has to be, hands down, the woman that like rides around in her um, red van, and like, she has the teeth, 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 I don't know if you've heard it, like the hon- honking horn. She goes around though.
1: Man, I'm a, I must, I, nah, man, I haven't Haven't seen her.
0: She goes around the whole neighborhood house and house. she has the best like um, raspados de vainilla. So it's like, uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the sauce is, but it's, it's vanilla essentially, but it tastes so good. And her lotes are just immaculate. So it's like that. I remember like one summer when I started working with my mom cleaning houses, that's where literally like half of my money went to the whole summer to her.
1: The <laughs> and
0: they add up but like still they were so good
1: <laughs> this is up, man yeah like man amazing entrepreneurs in in montbello there's a lot of there's a lot They're of growth there um you mentioned the first thing you mentioned was the people so like expound on that like what what do you love about the people of montbello what do you feel when you're when you're around folks from the bell side
0: love a lot a lot of love um i feel like uh, if you say you're from the Bell side, you have an automatic connection. Like, oh my God, you're from Umbello. Like me too. Like you know, like I've like I've been in spaces where they're like, I'm from Umbello, and I'm like, ah, me too. <laughs> like yes. Um, but also like when I came here, like uh, I had no friends, so like I created friends here, and like the friends that I did, I've had bad experiences with friends, but the like friends that I did keep throughout the years, um. They were amazing, and they've always, like, showed very unconditional love, but also people like Blanca or people like um, Chris, Niabe. like, you know, like, people like Alessandra, people like Johnny, people like, but, like, even my teacher, Mrs. Zoya, like, that was a teacher in, in my belt. like, they showed unconditional love and, like, um just love for their communities and where they worked, and essentially, like, I just love love, like, I love feeling love around people so it's like great
1: for me like being able to work like I don't live in Montbello um but I've wor- I've been a teacher in Montbello for 10 years now and it's really the one community in Denver that I've gotten to know and um being able to connect with like all the advocates in in Montbello business owners uh yeah like you said the hustlers man like really I don't like not even like improve Montbello but just like bring the the Vision of Montbello to fruition, you know, and and working together to do it like in the, a lot of communities like um, advocacy work isn't such a focus because some neighborhoods are just super privileged and people don't have to be out there advocating for a whole lot of change and can like sit on Facebook and, and report like loud neighbors on or like fireworks in their neighborhood and stuff like that. But in Montbello, like people are people are really uh, luchando, man, like like really fighting for essentials, like getting a grocery store, right? Getting a grocery store on on Peoria. People have been yes. working for that for a generation.
0: Having proper education for their kids or like having their kids
1: yeah.
0: have art. There's like like
1: things are there's so much more at stake, you know, and, and and it's amazing to to see the bell side and like um, like older folks young folks um e- educators
0: the hustle does not stop no matter who you are in the bell side if you're not hustling to get your bread to get something or to get like if you're not doing like the conversation constantly around like my peers and I is like what's up like what do you what do you want like you know like it's like how are you hustling to move it forward Because, like, even um, when I was at Northfield, that's what I noticed between, like, my peers and I. Like, I was hustling. I was, like, I put myself down a lot for the grades that I got or whatever that I did. But, like, I never stepped back to realize that, like, my peers who were having A-pluses in those classes, all they had to do was go home and do their homework. That's all they had to do. And maybe a sport or two. And that, Lord, that was hard for them. Now I, like, I like not to compare myself, and obviously they're hard, some aspects of their life must have been hard, but, like, I was working a job, I was doing all of the sports, organization, like, dude, I was doing a lot, and it was, like, I always constantly put myself down, and, like, I feel, like, once, like, you, oh, that's a commonality between, like, students of color, especially from my below, but, like, we are constantly making ish happen, and it's, like, the like the hustle never stops. And that's that's I mean that's that. That's the both side for you. Yeah, no
1: doubt. It is almost <laughs> like um folks from the outside who aren't involved in Montbello, like it's they hear so much negativity about what's happening inside the community. And of course like Mombello, we have like, you know, we there's there are issues for sure. But there are like there have been people fighting and working on those issues for so long. And you know, there's constantly uh you know, there's a 5K race against violence, or like the Boys and Girls Club is putting on this and that. The Montbello organizing committee is stepping up to to organize. You know, get, uh, you know, build housing for for uh, folks who are low income, so they don't have to leave Montbello to find housing. Like people are stepping up in in their their own ways and taking on a lot of the issues that that um, outsiders may may look at and be like, Yo, why aren't they doing anything about it? but the reality is we are and like so many dope people that that have stepped up and and so many youth that have have uh come to the forefront especially in this time of the black the black lives matter movement you know just just being out there and and um taking charge so it's amazing um i want to hear from you like what do you feel are some challenges that our community has
0: so from my perspective like the first thing that comes to mind is education like from a young person's standpoint I like that is the biggest thing for me if if I'm honest because essentially if um we want to start we want to send like more students to college you know because essentially what they'll do is they come back in our communities and make them richer like at least that's what we hope now when I moved from Mombello, uh DCIS Mombello uh to Northfield That was right there. That was my first encounter with the the inequities in in the educational system. Uh, I was, in Mombello, I was a a, a plus a chewing student. You never saw me without an A. Um, All the teachers raved about me, they loved me. I passed math with flying colors, even though I hate math. Uh, Then when I moved to Northfield, I remember taking my first AP class and crying every single night um, and pushing myself down very much because I was not at the like level of rigor that my other like students were um, and that affected me mentally essentially me as a whole person my self-esteem and everything and it's like imagine what, how like I was exposed to this early right I was exposed to this like coming out of like Mombello, like in middle school and then transitioning to high school imagine when somebody's going from high school into college and like, we're sending a student from Montbello into college and they don't know how to write a proper thesis statement or they don't know how to, you know, cause even me from call, like coming from Northfield, I'm struggling to write my essays right now. We have a whole essay for our final project because like my professor literally said, you guys need to learn how to write a paper. Like it, it's, we, we want to send more kids to college. So it's like, or we want them to do whatever they want with their lives. Like, if it's college isn't for everybody, if they, whether that's trade school, anything that makes their community richer. And I'm not saying that educators aren't doing its job. I'm saying the education system as a whole isn't doing their job to support our students in like always mental health, um, artistically. Artistic exploration is something that is like such essential to curriculums in white schools, like, exploring your cra- creativity and the skills sets that you have and the skill sets that you can acquire but like we don't have that here like we don't like teach our students that they're valuable that they're like it's like it's basically like get this work done and then you pass the class you know so that that, that's an issue that I, I have a really big problem with it's like in our like school systems like well like there's a lot of pushes to like make them better they're also not as culturally responsive as they should be that's like the any education um which it should and we should include black history and all the history of like the people of glare because like it's important and you need to be invested our community like our schools in our communities cannot be looked at as a freaking stepping stone they have me all types of bent with that whole like come to their community we'll pay you more and then you can step onto another school like no If you're going to come into our schools, you're going to stay in our schools, you're going to invest yourself in our students and you're going to invest yourself in the schools that you work in. Like, I know that's hard and difficult, but I'm so sorry that you chose this path to go on. And I'm sorry, Paul, I don't mean to like attack your field, but at the same time, it's like I've like had it where like teachers come for one or two years and I've had teachers that worked at my school for like one year and then left, you know, then like, how are we going to expect to create relationships with students if the teachers are constantly changing?
1: Yeah, exactly. yeah, I was gonna ask you about like what role you think that teachers have. And um and I, I believe you're right on um yeah, because like there's a lot of incentives for for educators to teach in, in um communities of color, you know, not just Montbello, but all over the country, right? It's so weird. I feel like we're in this time of, of amazing change where a lot of educators, educators in particular, are doing a lot of reading. And a lot of, I mean, joining book clubs, of course, but like um, for, you know, white fragility and and stuff like that, but like uh, a lot of going above and beyond and and engaging in conversations and starting to act and, you know, looking forward to the new school year for what they can change with how they, um, you know, decolonize their classroom and starting with like decolonizing themselves, um, which is really exciting. Um, But tip of the iceberg, we have so much more work to do like it, it we can't just read a book and then and then all of a sudden we changed everything. Like there are there's the the system is is incentivizing like in it in its in its purpose. And you and you mentioned this on the Bellside Conversation podcast, like the system, no system really in America is built for people of color. Yeah, there's like so many little things Esau, like that, that you've mentioned and um that we can get into that like small shifts that we can make um to To totally revolutionize and like break down this system, you know, break it apart, and then find out what pieces we want to keep, and then throw in like everything that we want to change and rebuild something new. But I, you know, from my perspective as an educator, and I meet students like you who have like gone through this amazing transformation and have been students in Montbello, and it gives me a lot of hope that there is something that we're doing right, something that For you, it seems like it's like based on relationships and like the relationships that you've built with educators and things like that. But not all students get that opportunity.
0: Definitely, and I think it's important to realize. So you said, like, what's the role for educators in that in that space and in that role? So I don't think it's enough for educators to say I'm not racist. I don't see color because essentially we don't not want you to see color. We want you to appreciate our color. Um, We want you to value us and our cultures and who we are as we have valued and 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 your culture or white culture for so long um I have had it where it's like teachers have asked me like obviously a principal will get our principal has gotten on their bucket because this last year was like um the attendance levels for students of color were absolutely horrible um and a teacher asked me well what can we do and from my perspective it was like they were asking for a one fix like it was like a one fix question you know like what's the thing that we can fix to make this all better when in reality like I sat there and I was like I didn't know how to answer because there isn't like I I didn't know how to put this into words at the time but there isn't one fix and there's like you have to reevaluate evaluate yourself as a person and get dirty and get feel uncomfortable and um essentially throw all the ideals that you've been taught out the window and listen to the students that you are teaching. That's all it is. And to build connections, you have to stop give, like, caring more about the curriculum that you're teaching and the grades that you have to put in the grade book and more about your students. There is no way around that. In order to push your students effectively and create relationships with them, You have to show them you you care about them. Therefore, you're pushing them to be their best self. There's, and and it's like, there's no, oftentimes where I'm being asked, like, what can we do? There's not one fix. It's a whole systemic fix. And if you're not ready to change this whole system, it's like, and like, it's because it doesn't just stop it. Like, I'm not part of that. No. Yeah, you're not part of that. And what? You know?
1: Yeah, it's like educators being, Coming into Montbello and, and being authentic, you know, and really being, becoming a part of the community. But you don't have to live there, but like, but like operating in the community, knowing who the advocates are, knowing what the issues are, knowing what your students care about, and what's important to them in their lives. Um, yeah, that's huge in building relationships. So I love everything that you said, and, and I'm excited to build onto it. Um, so uh, what advice do you have, being that you're ready to go to Fort Collins, uh, what advice do you have for, for students coming up that are in listening, that are in middle school, high school?
0: Put yourself first. As, like, students of color, like, you're, like, again, we're so family-oriented, and, like, we're so for everybody. Um, but as, like, but also we have so many pressures that are put on us. I know myself personally, I've put myself aside to like meet or like meet the expectations of others and the environment around me. When I, the, what I needed to do is focus on who I am and what I'm going to become and who I want to be and how I'm doing mentally or how I'm doing, you know, just focusing on myself and like checking in with myself. I didn't do that. I didn't know how I still sometimes I don't know how to check in with myself. Um, so learning that. <laughs> from an early age and learning where you stand and learning your own boundaries and learning how like just what you want and how you want to interact in the world is going to like serve you so much better now. Like if you learn how to like about yourself now and in the future, you're going to live such a better life and such a happier life. That's one less thing you have to like, it's a constant work, but it's like less of a burden when it's like less of like, you know, if you've done it for a while. So yeah, focus on yourself, breathe, and remember that your grades aren't everything. You're going to get into college. You're going to do it. Like <laughs> that's
1: you. <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up, y'all. I feel like when I talk to Isaura, um, I always learn something new, and I and I grow. Um, and in so many ways, I look up to Isaura, and I can, you know, as we're as we're peers, you know, um, and you know, I'm proud. I'm proud to um, represent my Bella with you. So yeah Isauda, um you have some big things coming up talk about yourself and and uh, how we can connect with you
0: so you can connect with me on social media i have pretty much all platforms um i'm not a big person on twitter but if you tried me on twitter then hey um all of my handles are pretty much isaura maria bound also i will be starting my own podcast like you mentioned unapologetically isaura very
1: very very soon yeah that's what's up um but thank you so much isaura for for joining the the voice of Mombella podcast today and telling us why you love Mombella. And and, um, how you feel about our community. So, all right, y'all, stay tuned for the next episode of the Voice of My Bella podcast. And until next time, see you later. Peace.